0: Man's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Thanks so much for joining in. Episode 205 today with Mr Xavier Ellis. Uh, Now, a few of you would remember Xavier as a... uh, great AFL player, played uh, with Hawthorne and uh, the West Coast Eagles uh, and won one premiership, played in three but uh, was only able to win one. That's a lot more than a lot of us. So um, uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to have a good yak about that, uh, his journey to be able to be successful as a footballer uh, and also transitioning out of AFL life and uh, getting into the media and uh, what that sort of looks like for him, uh, you know, and uh, how he's travelling as a as a as an individual himself, you know. We're going to talk a bit about that. What he does, be- what he's observed with mental health uh, throughout the um, uh, his career in the football industry, and uh, being able to sort of, uh, you know, I suppose, work in entertainment and just sort of see how he sort of observes things with regards to uh, what goes on in communities uh, throughout WA, but also, you know. Uh, what he does to look after himself I suppose more importantly as well so um, we're going to have a good chat about all things uh, throughout that and in between so I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation if you'd like to help us out I'd really appreciate any donation that you could give us to be able to help uh, the Outback Mind Foundation uh, we just pretty much rely on donations and support uh, from some businesses so if you'd like to help us out please jump on the website outbackmind.org.au. Uh, you'll see some uh, options there if you work for a company that might be interested in partnering with us um, you know i'd be keen to have a chat to see if we're aligned and um, see if we can help uh, support more guys throughout regional australia so jump on have a look Uh, if you'd like to email me some feedback on the podcast really appreciate that it's support at outbackmind.org.au g'day Xavier.
1: G'day mate. How are you? Great to be, uh, great to be on the line today. Yeah,
0: sure is uh, in WA. It's a long way from Lake's entrance, but uh, I'm sure you're enjoying it over there.
1: Bloody long way, mate. When I first moved over, all I knew was uh, was the Subiaco Footy Oval that no longer exists. There's a school there, and uh, and the city where we stayed. That was it. So. Uh, when I moved over, I knew nobody and, um, and didn't know any of the suburbs or where to live or what to do. But uh, I think it's been about eight years now and uh, bunkered down here for a while.
0: Unreal, mate. So, so just fast tracking a bit, you, you got uh, taken from Hawthorne uh, to, to, to the Eagles, didn't you? So they just plonked you there and uh, it's sort of pretty much fend for yourself when you arrived.
1: Yeah, I was pretty lucky, To in fairness. Um, Adam Simpson was a coach at Hawthorne, who now coaches West Coast. So he got the job at, at, at West Coast, and, um, and I was probably looking for a new home and a new beginnings, and um, he extended the Olive branch, um, which you know, I missed a few premierships or a few opportunities to win some premierships at Hawthorne, but uh, in terms of life goes, um, I feel like I won that trade.
0: Mm, amazing, mate. What was it like growing up in Gippsland? In, in where, so it was near Lake Entrance. You were from?
1: Yes, yeah, so Lake Entrance. A few people might be familiar with, but I was the next town on uh, Lake Tyres Beach, which has the uh, has a pub and a general store. So uh, <laughs> I feel like if you, if you've got a pub and a general store, you're a town. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Lake Tyres Beach, about oh, maybe four and a half, five hours from Melbourne. Uh, just grew up fifteen k's from. From Lake extension through where all the sporting codes played, you know, cricket, basketball, um, footy, of course, uh, athletics, everything in between. So, mm. mate, growing up in the country, uh, would I do it now? Probably not uh, because I'm, I'm probably too wired to be to be back back <laughs> in Lake Tires Beach. But, um, mate, as a kid, I wouldn't change it for the world. Mm.
0: Are your parents and family still back there?
1: Mate, my parents are a little bit uh, unique at the moment. They live... Uh, in a town called Iirakala, which is uh, remote Northern Territory. Um, Yeah, you're familiar? Oh,
0: mate, it's one of the best places I've ever been.
1: Yeah, so um, Dad's a barrister and Mum's a physio by trade. Um, So they're they're working with some of the really remote uh, Indigenous communities um, as we speak, and um, they've been there for a couple of years, and um, trying trying to help out as best they can to you know areas of australia that uh you certainly wouldn't stumble across if you're in a car so mm-hmm. um yeah they're, they're they're remote there they've got the, uh, the family home still exists and and whatnot so they'll wind up back there for sure but uh, at the moment they're uh yeah in urakala and um you know doing their bit i suppose for the for the community uh, and trying to help out I, I mean, Dad, uh, for example, um, as, as a barrister, it's pretty stressful and um, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, going up there for, for almost zero money and uh, and giving back to the community is something he loves. Mm.
0: Oh, mate, it's, it's an amazing place. You know, it's. Uh, I just felt like when I went there, I went there for, for, for work and I had to be welcomed in by the elders and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And it was just really, you know, going into another world and I'll never forget it, you know.
1: mate, I need to get up there. Uh, All my siblings have been up there. I'm just a little bit handcuffed with work during footy season and whatnot. But uh, no, no, I certainly need to get up there and and experience a side of Australia that's probably not enough to see.
0: That's it. Mate, uh, tell me, um, growing up back in, in Gippsland and coming through, when did you realise that you had the ability to be able to sort of, you know, become a footballer? You were probably pretty passionate about it uh, as a young fella, and uh, you know, coming through primary school and so forth.
1: Yeah, uh, look, I was I was pretty good at, at at most sports, and I say that without being uh, arrogant because there was only ten people in my town, so you yeah. thought you were good at everything <laughs> because the, the the pool you're competing with was tiny. So, uh, in terms of AFL and stuff, that was that was never on the cards. Like. I'd never really met a footballer. Uh, I loved watching it. But, mate, I was just in love with the Lake Entrance Football Club, uh, and I admired the players that played the seniors uh, for Lakes Entrance. So in terms of when I, when I thought I was good enough to, to maybe play AFL, um, some would say I was never good enough to play AFL, but um, <laughs> the, uh, probably when I was 13 or 14, um, I was uh, lucky enough to make the Vic Countryside. side. Now, that Vic country was captained by... Joel Selwood, um, who was incredible at that age. He he was a very, very good footballer, best footballer by a long, long way. Uh, And then there was a blanket over probably the next 10. Um, So I thought I was good enough to play for Vic Country, but AFL was probably... I went to Ireland under-16s to do the international rule stuff as a part of an AIS campaign. And um, maybe then I I thought I might not be good enough, but at least I'll probably be in the mix to... um, you know, play under 18 level and maybe be looked at by one or two teams. So Mm. um, I never really thought I was, uh, other than being a Lakes entrance uh, best and fairest winner, I never thought I was probably going to be able to play AFL.
0: Amazing, mate. It's interesting, isn't it? Like, you know, the pathways are probably a bit different now than what they were back then. But, um, you know, just... uh, Really, I reckon the ones that 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 I observed uh, back in the day, and the ones now that are probably really dedicated and anxious, are the ones that um, probably get out of balance. But it sounds like to to me that you were pretty uh, pretty carefree with it, and if you got an opportunity, you did, and if you didn't, you know, you'd go on to other things. Yeah,
1: look, mate. I, um, I so my first year I was drafted. I was in year eleven at school, and uh, my parents, oh, they didn't make it compulsory, but as compulsory without making a compulsion that I finish school, graduate, put AFL football on hold for a year, play school football, try and do a, a normal upbringing. So I did that I had a year off football in year 12, mm. broke my ankle anyway, so it didn't really matter too much. I didn't play a lot of football, but um, yeah, you're probably right. Um, I, I would have found my path in life, had it not been football, I don't know what it would have been because the football was um, you know, in, in me as a youngster, but um, I went to boarding school, uh, so plenty of opportunities uh, at a school in Melbourne and then also plenty of opportunities with the mates I met in boarding school from the country. So mm. uh, look, I would have found my path. I just I just don't know what it would have been, to be honest with you. Um, along the way, uh, the academic side of my family, they are all my siblings are all extremely academic and I'm not. So uh, I'm not quite sure what happened to me there. It went uh, one, two, skip a few when it got to me, the... Uh, <laughs> the brains, but um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I love footy, but in terms of being so far away from it, I didn't really have any expectations of ever being able to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, you had some pretty high-profile people at school with you, didn't you, like Tom Hawkins and a few of them?
1: Yeah, Tommy Hawkins was my first ever roommate at boarding school, so uh, rolling in on my first day, there was a big six-foot-six um, chunker lying on the bed uh, with his mum unpacking his jock. so I knew straight away. <laughs> I knew he was a bit of a softy uh, and had a gentle soul from the start. When the first conversation was whether he wanted his jocks on the top draw or the second draw. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Hawkins was my uh, my year at school, and my roommate, uh, and then even when I played for Gippsland that year um, for Gippsland Power, um, which is the, the TAC sort of Colts level in WA, uh, we had Scott Pendleby, Dale Thomas, Trent West, um, Lockie Hansen, Jay Nagle. We probably had about twelve drafted. So. Mm. Uh, very fortunate to have an exceptional uh, under eighteen side to fall back on, and then also the school football team. Uh, which, we which we were average. We were, we were just middle of the middle of the run, but uh, it was bloody good fun,
0: mate. Look, you 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 had, like honestly, some some pretty unbelievable people around you from then, but also to walk into Hawthorne and have you know the the calibre of people that you sort of were mixing with um, in its infancy back then, because you sort of come into that system at a pretty unique time.
1: We were all, I was a little bit lucky that I missed the absolute garbage by two years the, um, the first two years of Clarkson was I think second last and third last mm. um, so they found it tough tough then and then um, my first year I think we scraped into finals then won the flag in the second year so mm. um, yeah no complaints there but you, you land in a draft uh, rough out picked pick two, Franklin pick five Jordan Lewis pick seven or eight um, I mean, you set up a dynasty in one draft and then to, uh, to sprinkle Cyril Rioli around at Grand Birchall, um, you know, the list goes on of just young talent. Um, yeah, it's pretty special to, to go through and when you're the age of 20, you think at the age of 20 you're old and experienced and understand life, but mm. uh, reflecting now 20 and 21 and, and being able to win a flag and playing some big games and sit back and watch, you know, Lance Franklin at the age of 21 be the best player in the competition... Mm. Uh, you sat in awe and, and and you know admired Luke Hodge, and Sam Mitchell, and and those guys. I just couldn't get over that they knew my name more than anything. Like, I I just sat, and it probably was a um, an issue for me for a while that I admired the players probably too much.
0: Mm, I remember uh, I was living in Tassie. I remember your first game in uh, at that lawn system.
1: Yeah, no, we um, the Tassie experience um, was always an interesting one because I couldn't get my head around. At the MCG Why would you give up Around of footy And not play at the MCG But mm. uh, You go down there And we never lost So I mm. could completely Understand it On the flight back um, It'd be cold It'd be windy It'd be blustery um, But gee whiz Would absolutely love it And get the points Nearly 95% of the
0: time mm. Oh mate It was like You know Just, just getting off track a bit But it was good for the state. Still, is good for the state to have that connection there. You know, um, Tassie really needs its own team. It's always wanted its own team. Footballs declined down there dramatically. You know, if it had had something, you know, on that connection there permanently, I think it would really reignite things. But um, what was your experience? You were just sort of happy to get out of there and um, and uh, you know, sort of not have much to do with. Um, with 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 Tassie or was it something that you sort of the players embraced as you as you sort of got into it more?
1: Uh, oh mate, I'm an advocate for the team being in Tassie, uh, most certainly. Yeah. Um. So the 19th team it should be announced sooner rather than later. I would have thought, but um, I, I could do with never going back to Launceston, but I absolutely love Hobart and areas around Tassie. So mm. when you fly in and fly out, I probably did Launceston 25 times and only Hobart once, and you're like, ah. Oh, yeah, you know, Tassie is such a beautiful part of the world. Um, yeah, you know, I was even saying to a group of friends, uh, it was last week that we, we should organise a golf trip um, down to Tassie, Barmbool or something, and then yeah. um, bring the wives and kids because you know there's so many beautiful regions that we could go visit. So, mate, I'm, I'm an advocate for Tassie. I'm an advocate for um, certainly it wouldn't be an issue. People, players living in Hobart uh, and you know training there, as you've seen the crickets there anyway. So mm. there's, there's professional sports down there. Um, so I look forward to seeing that in the near future.
0: Yeah, mate. Did you get on well with Birch?
1: Yeah, Grant Birchell drafted my year. I uh, went to Ireland with Birch when we were fifteen. I got on very well with Birch. Um, yeah, they, they probably say if they joined my brain and his brain together, they'd get a full one. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, we had a uh, we had a blast, um, Grant Birchell and I. And still haven't caught up with him when Brisbane came over to Perth at the end of the season, um, and had about 10 pints, uh, he had to be <laughs> runner the next day, and I was calling the footy for Triple M, and i tell you what, he was moving no good.
0: <laughs> oh, I can imagine, mate. I was, uh, I was working with his uncle when, uh, when he got drafted, and, um, yeah, it was just a really nice experience to actually, like, see him observe it all, and, and share in that, you know, and just a
1: pretty, uh, high... he was hey? And he was always level-headed, uh, Yeah, he, he was still always the kid from Tassie, if, if that makes sense, he, uh, he didn't overcomplicate things, uh, he was very good at footy, and um, and did it for the best part, in a competitive way, but a fair way.
0: Yeah, mate, just, yeah, really level-headed family, and uh, just a pretty humble family, you know, so that uh, obviously was testament to the way he went about it too, you know, just didn't uh, didn't have a lot of fuss, and just got the job done.
1: Yeah, it is funny, you see a lot of kids come in these days. <laughs> And it, it, it is a kickstart, um, you know. If you've had the, the strong family upbringing and uh, those kids, and then you see the kids that haven't had the, the strong family upbringing, I suppose, and, and just the way that they bite in footy, I absolutely love it. And that's the best thing about footy. It doesn't really matter uh, what walk of life you've come from um, or what draft pick you've been drafted. Once you're in, you're in.
0: Yeah, that's it, mate. Exactly. Was it? Was it good for you, uh, obviously, going through those first couple of years and obviously getting into that premiership side, what was it like to actually win that? Because obviously it had been a few years since I'd actually won one and uh, to be able to sort of go from second last and third last and a lot of, you know, hard years up to winning a premiership, it was amazing to watch, you know, for, from my perspective. And, um, uh, yeah, mate, just be interested to sort of get a bit of a, you know, a, an inside uh uh, you know, look at uh, what it was like for you as an individual.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. I also remember we lost to Geelong round 17 that year on a Friday night, 85,000 for G. Uh, the two best teams in the cot were going at it, but clearly Geelong, you know, there was talk about after they won 07, that they could be the greatest team of all time and, mm. and all this sort of stuff. But we lost that game. We were very competitive, lost by maybe a goal or two. Maybe they want to jagged one late, but... We went into training the next day and Clarko said, we'll win the flag. I can guarantee we'll win the flag if we do one or two things that he had on the whiteboard. Uh, and when you're at the age of 20 and the head coach says you're going to win a flag, I mean, he, he sold, even if he deep down didn't believe we could match it with Geelong, he sold a story and a journey um, to us us 20-year-olds And in you know, 2021. 20, Cyril was 19. But um, you know, regardless of how many Brownlow medalists, premiership players, Norm Smith medalists, Uh, We're in that Geelong outfit that, um, you know, if we we did what we are told in terms of um, the structure, how to to stop Geelong, uh, we'd beat them. And um, sure enough, on the day, it was a hot day. uh, And what had been sort of belted into us was that we were the fittest team in the competition and no one could keep up for four quarters. And Mm. sure enough, again, whether it was true or not, um, they sold us that story and we believed it. So... Mm. Um, you know, it was hot And I remember we, we ran away with it in the third quarter uh, Due to some Stewie Jew magic And um, the rest, it's history
0: mm, Amazing, mate It really is, isn't it? And, uh, you know, for, to be able to be part of something like that you you just got to be grateful for the opportunity And, um, uh, yeah, you know, moving through There's not many, not many guys that, uh, you know, in general get to succeed and, 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 you know, get to that sort of level in, in, uh, in its essence But, um I'd be able to sort of you know come away from a sporting career and have, have you know reach something like that links you know pretty pretty incredible and impressive and you know moving on from there, obviously you mucked around at the Hawthorne for a few years and did you get to play in another grand final? Is that right?
1: Yeah, I played in twenty twelve. Uh, I didn't play. I played maybe two or three games. Twenty twelve had a, a leg problem, and then I really hurt my leg in twenty twelve grand final. So I played in that. Um, we we that was that was probably the best Hawthorne team. Uh, of their run and, and couldn't get it done so uh, City were too good for us on the day um, we lost I think we won the inside 50s by about 20 or something and still couldn't get the job done so um, yeah it was lucky enough didn't play a lot of footy 2012 as I said with a with an injury and then, and then blew it out pretty well in the grand final and missed 12 months after after 2012 and Hawthorne went on to win the flag 2013 so uh, that was an opportunity opportunity missed and um, that was when I decided uh, you don't know, get those opportunities back and maybe a fresh start might be the best thing.
0: Yeah. Tell me, um, with regards to your time at Hawthorne and talking about sort of mental health, did you, Well, you probably weren't aware of it as so much back then, but did you Did you have any, uh, I suppose, issues yourself or did you notice, um, you know, around the, the club that maybe a few guys could be struggling uh, at times?
1: Yeah. Yeah, oh, mate. Um, there was a period for me where, I wasn't being out I was drafted pick three, um so your expectations are to be a good footballer. I was not not a good footballer, and I was injured for two years essentially. Uh, and I was embarrassed to be I was, I, was, I was avoiding people more than anything else because um I was letting I felt like I was letting a footy club down, I was letting Clarko down. Mm. Um, i would I wouldn't say I had I had mental health problems, but I would say that uh, a part of my life wasn't I wasn't comfortable with, and um i'll tell you a quick story about clarkson um one night my phone rang at like 8 30 at night um on a weeknight from from clarko and and i ran straight back and he said mate i need to meet you down at the beach so he we went to uh st kilda beach pier and we met there and we walked along the beach sort of all the way up towards brighton and then walked back and it was uh you know, two hours or something, and it was bloody late by the time we'd finished and freezing cold. It was it was winter, and it was just purely... He was concerned for me, um, having not played footy. He goes, he's noticed a change in my behaviour. Uh, he's noticed I'm not happy. Uh, and, and the importance of him calling me that late at night was he didn't want to go to bed without asking the questions he wanted to ask. So um, he, he went out and, and just simply... Um, he didn't want to go and have an uneasy night and, and he wanted to check in on me uh, at eight thirty at night and mm. we walked along the beach for two hours and discussed you know absolutely everything going on in my life and um, you know and that's just one example of uh, you know he was our leader and, and it, being brave enough I suppose to to make that call regardless of the time regardless what he had on um, you know, I'm sure he his wife and kids and stuff were at home, and but he wanted to come and, and speak to me and and really dig into how he how I was going personally, and not on the surface. Um, he wanted a, a deeper a deeper connection and a deeper conversation. Mm, did that help you? I did just just to get reassurance that um, injuries are a part of football, and you're not a a liability, and you're not you're not in, no need to be embarrassed. And I don't get me wrong, uh, it certainly helped. But deep down, still deep down, I was like, I I feel like I'm letting people down. And that's probably why, in the end, I I, I needed a change to get out of Melbourne.
0: Yeah, well said, mate. And good on you for... um for, for embracing that, you know, and, and good on him for, for taking that initiative. And, and that's intuition yeah. in, in its essence, isn't it? And that, I believe that's that's a, a good leader. Like they, they're they not just worried about performance, that's part of what they do, but primarily if they're, they're, they've they're got care for their people first mm-hmm. and foremost, then, you know, I believe the rest takes care of, of, of itself. And I've seen some great leaders that have probably been decimated a bit, like, you know, talk about Tassie Matthew Armstrong, he, he, he like had his heart and soul in that club and, and he got moved on and uh, I could see the anguish in him when that happened but um, uh, you know yeah. for someone like Clarkson I think they're very similar they're probably wouldn't you say we wouldn't say average footballers but they weren't champions uh, at, you know, at, at VFL or AFL level but they were you know good people and good leaders and um and, uh, you know, I believe, you know, Alistair Clarkson is one of those people. He just has the, the uncanny ability to be able to recognise in someone something. Uh, and that's not, uh, that's not learnt, you know. It's actually intuitive behaviour that's um, pretty rare. And that's what makes those guys, you know, special and successful at the end of the day.
1: Well, you can just go through the premiership coaches. Um, you know, Chris Scott was a good player, but not, not a Michael Boss superstar uh, Luke Beveridge was a good player, not a superstar. Damien Hardwick was a good player, not a superstar. Uh, Clarkson, similar, it's their ability to to level up and level down to uh, to all. Capabilities, I suppose.
0: Mm, that's it. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's it's rare and it's definitely needed. You know, uh, you'll always remember the school teachers that were probably like that, but there was a lot that weren't. You know, and um, um, you know those guys that they can they can contribute to your life outside of performance. So I think that's that's really really key and important. So, so you know, when you went over there to WA, did you have trouble fitting in? Did you, did you know many guys, or how did it sort of look for you? Uh, other than Simo,
1: no. No, nah, I didn't know too many. I knew, I was lucky enough, there was Scott Selwood, Joel Selwood's little brother, uh, yeah. uh, who, I'd, who I'd met fleetingly uh, once, maybe, or twice, uh, and Luke Shuey, who I'd met at Eve nightclub one night, and that was about <laughs> it. So uh, I remember day one I landed. There was a Beaufort Street Festival um, on in Perth. It was about 48 degrees. I didn't have any shoes on. I burnt the bottom of my feet, but we had about 10 beers, uh, and that and that was a real icebreaker for me to get to know some of the blokes. Uh, and then I was actually, funnily enough, dating a girl from WA, but in, living in Melbourne. Um, so once uh, she did, she didn't move over with me. Um, she stayed in Melbourne now. Now married with two kids in WA. But um, yeah, the, her family's over here now as well. Oh, not now. Her family's over here. So uh, once I got in and, and sort of started to meet a few more people and. Um, my wife's um, grandfather's a, a bit of a footy legend over here so he's he's well respected and known and, and that helped big time me saying i was associated with uh with john o'connell or the o'connell family just because they're lovely people um, mm. people were willing to give me a helping hand
0: mm. mate um on the beers and that did that affect your like your, the way you played and, and, and your recovery and that sort of thing? Because it was still probably pretty well accepted mm. back then to to have a few beers and, and that. And did you find it knocked you around um and you probably could have got a bit more out of yourself if you weren't doing that?
1: It's funny, I, I think there's a there's a fine line. So most certainly it's not helpful uh, in a physical sense, but I do think that the ability to, to team up with your mates and your teammates and and take your relationship from the gym and the, and the running track to a more of a personal level mm. i think that plays an important part as well so uh, everything's done in limitations and, and, and restrictions around what you do but I, I certainly feel as though there's there's the best of both worlds uh if it's done the right way
0: yeah that's it it's you're dead right and having that balance um <clears throat> is really important <clears throat> pardon me but um I just reckon, um, uh, yeah, you know, I've observed, I'm, I'm, I'm older than you, but I've observed over the years just how, how the culture's changed. And, you know, yeah. guys have gone the whole season without drinking, and that was unheard of, you know, back in the day. But um, was there many players that you played with that didn't drink at all?
1: Uh, Sam Mitchell. Sam Mitchell was a, a non drinker in the footy season, uh, he would he, he put it away until the end of season, mm-hmm. um, which usually meant on, on a mad Monday, two light beers and he'd be bloody wobbling around. But Sam <laughs> um, so yeah, Mitchell was was one probably, but went more from, um, even in my time, the ability to go out and you'd have um, as many drinks as you want and I'll see you on Monday to, um, you know, everything was daily limitations and we had to be a training the day after a game at 8am, and you had to be able to drive there. So, mm. um, you know, it worked within, within those limitations. Uh, and we, that's sort of how we used to judge our um, our ability to go out and enjoy a few drinks with our friends was, you know, if we had a six-day break, you had to be able to drive. Mm. Uh, if you had a seven-day break, you didn't have to drive, but you had to be able to drive the next morning or whatever it was. So, mm. um, yeah, as I said, it was all done within, within limitations. And don't get me wrong, people... People stretch those limits occasionally, but all in all, I think it was um, it was always done in the right way. Yeah, mate.
0: Interesting. Um, like, so it was pretty loose when you first got in. Like, you'd be able to sort of go and hit it pretty hard, and then um, it tightened up as you went on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. When I was, you know, eighteen, I still had. So when I was drafted, I was drafted seventeen. So I had a year of eighteenth birthday parties <laughs> um, whilst I was on the list and. I think you could have, if, if we didn't have footy the next day or training the next day, there certainly was the ability to empty the, uh, empty the carton. But, um, you know, as, and also you get older and you realise that footy doesn't last forever and opportunities and, um, you know, if you've won one premiership at 20, you, you assume you're probably going to win another one or two along the way. But mm. unfortunately for me, it didn't happen. So you start to see father time approaching and uh, time gets away. So you slow down pretty quickly. Yeah, mate.
0: Good on you. You know, I think that's really awesome that you've been able to have that awareness through throughout the whole journey, and you know, to where you are now. And uh, it sounds like you're loving WA. What was it like to transition out of uh, like footy, and and you know, what was next for you to get straight into the media then, or what'd you do?
1: Uh no, nah, oh, there's a little bit of anxi- uh, A little bit of anxiety around it, to be honest with you. I wanted to stay in football, uh, and probably do want to get back into football at some stage. I, I don't make that any kind of secret um, that if an opportunity was there for footy I'd love to, to sort of bounce back into it but um, I originally started doing a little bit of uh, work with young um, 15, 16 year olds with who probably weren't going to go off and weren't destined to be academics but they used football as a as a tool to, to get these young young students through, through their education mm. uh, by using football as a bit of a trigger and, and whatnot and then Two of my best mates were in, in the media doing radio over here, called Will and Woody, uh, who packed up and moved back to Melbourne, and it's just all about timing and life. And um, they moved out, and and I moved in. So I did, and I tell you what, I didn't wait for their bodies to cool either. The minute <laughs> they moved out, I moved in.
0: <laughs> and and you got into radio like through uh, Triple M or one of those networks back then.
1: Yeah, so I was um, my last year of footy. I was a. A, a guest for Will and Woody, who I just mentioned, as a West Coast player. So I'd go in there once a week uh, and just do a little segment with them. Now uh, I was injured for most of the time, so I couldn't really do the the basic football chats about credit, credit too, and uh, we've got to be stronger and we've got to be better and all this sort of stuff. So they made me do some some bits and pieces that was a bit yeah you know, good fun and, and, and we had a good laugh doing so. Um, Just by being injured, I accidentally got a crash course in radio Mm.
0: And you're loving it?
1: Uh, I love it, mate Yeah, breakfast radio, early hours Um, But, uh, and I've got two kids now Which, so, you burn the candle at both ends a little bit You're up early And then when I finish um, Now I'm speaking you Tuesday, about midday that uh, I can go get the kids now if I want And we can chill out in the backyard In summer, get in the pool and, and whatnot So by the end of the day, um, the curtains are closing over the eyelids. But uh, <laughs> oh, mate, I get, I get a good amount of holidays to recharge the battery. And um, you know, every every young family has their has their times where the, uh, where they're tired, and, and you're having a barney with the missus, and you're trying to both get through it and, and whatnot. So uh, we're no different. But um, yeah, I wouldn't change it. I, I do enjoy it,
0: mate. A uh, couple of questions: three best people you played footy with.
1: Uh, The three best players or the three best people? People. Uh, Chance Bateman. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hawthorne um, star. He he, he could have been a star. He was such a team-oriented player. Broke down many boundaries for young Indigenous players as well. So, Chance Bateman, absolutely loved. Uh, So much so, we'd play golf twice a a week together. I was shit-outs at golf. He was a star at golf. It was good fun. (laughs) Um, and and I, I can't go past. I mean, the two leaders I was lucky enough to play under, uh, being um, obviously Sam Mitchell, the, the Premiership captain of mine in '08. Hardworking, uh, built his career. Yeah, you know, his story to go from nothing to a Brownlow medalist. Didn't get drafted, then went played the VFL, then went was like a backup midfielder, then captain of the club, won a Premiership, won a Brownlow, then won three more Premierships at the end. Uh, incredible journey and I think Luke Hodges is probably the other one from mm. you know, a kid from COLAT that probably had a couple too many kilos around the waistline to, um, to being an absolute talent mm.
0: yeah mate and very humble too you know what about the best three players uh,
1: best three players Lance Franklin straight to the top of the tree um, he, 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 what he did at the age of 21 was incredible so Franklin goes in at Numero uh, Uno I'll name some Gary Ablett Junior. I know I didn't play with him, but uh, th- th- those two were just were just miles above everyone else. I think and coming in at number number three uh, in terms of players I played with Josh Kennedy from West Coast. Uh, any player that can kick seven goals on a day, uh, it just you turn up. And my theory on midfielders was. As good as Gary Ablett was, and he was a mega star, he'll have 35 to 40 touches. Sam Mitchell have 30 touches, so they're head-to-head. Mm. But if Josh Kennedy or Lance Franklin kick seven goals, it's game over. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens, it's game over. So uh, I love my big forwards, and I was blessed to play with one that's kicked 1,000 and one that kicked 700.
0: Mm, yeah, mate. P- pretty lucky, absolutely. What about the best three... Um... The the, the, the the two more questions the the, the best three hard or the, the hardest workers the top three that you uh that you that you saw, inside and outside the workers club. inside and outside yeah,
1: club. Hard. hardest workers a name that floats around these days as a coach um but I think he played maybe ninety games I, I might have undersold him here, Tim Clark mm. uh Tim Clark was at Hawthorne when I first arrived and he was as heart and soul as as you could imagine. Uh, Shannon Hearn, former West Coast Captain Premiership captain, mm. more just did a bloke from the farm, never changed, uh, never complained, did all the work. He wasn't an exceptional runner, he was just a, a country boy who loved footy and uh, did it all the right way. So, absolutely loved um, loved my time with with Shannon Hearn. And another one would probably be, in terms of hard work, I mean, Isaac Smith. True. Uh, who just won the Norms? Norm Smith, mate. I, I've never seen a runner like it. It mm. was um, when we do two k time trials. If you, you start a lap in front of him, and you'd lap you by the end. So mm. um, yeah, no, you, you just he's work. He's ability... and I know that you're naturally gifted with a bit of that. But um, you know, his ability to run was the best I saw. Mm,
0: amazing, mate. And to finish off, the the best three uh Partiers or
1: you know um, drinkers, uh, the best. Yeah. the best at having fun. Yeah, General uh, Brown comes <laughs> in at number one, and he and he's probably I would call him almost a non-drinker, right. um, but but he still manages to have an absolute shitload of fun. So Brownie goes in. Um, I always enjoy my time with. Uh, I'll, I'll put both these boys in at once because um, they were teamed up. Luke Shuey and Scott Salwood, They. They were always very open to um, to catching up, which was great. Uh, and then I think you'd probably have to bounce around the collection of a. Um, oh, well, Josh Kennedy was the best. The best, Josh Kennedy and Jared Ruffett. I'll pair them two up there. So um, mm. yeah, they, they were two country boys that um, if you took a seat at the table with them, you're probably going to wake up with a headache the next morning.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable, Um oh, mate. That's. That's really, you know, what it's all about too, that that connection and camaraderie and you know, you've got some some friends and uh, you know, uh some, some some connections that are gonna stay with you for the rest of your life, you know. That's that's really important, you know, for your own mental health and well being, but um know for, uh, to be able to have that collaboration with others which you know a lot of people in in regional australia sort of struggle with because you know life's sort of fluctuating and tricky but but mate you know yeah yeah you've got to be grateful and blessed for the journey you've had and you know there's probably still plenty ahead of you too who knows what's going to happen with regards to what you're doing in the future
1: no absolutely mate and, and just on the the mental health stuff i, I did a, a thing for lifeline uh, just the other night, over here in WA, and a, a young couple raised sixty thousand dollars who had gone through some tragedy with a with a brother. Mm. Uh, and the message simply is: doesn't matter who the person is, if you think they're the most popular person, the richest person, the funniest person, the funnest person, uh, don't always assume that they're uh, they're the ones that are on top of the world. So, mm. um, yeah, reach out, ring ring whoever, touch base, uh, and keep an eye on everyone, just not the ones you suspect.
0: Yeah, mate. Well said. Mate, really, really uh, grateful for your time. Go and enjoy uh, your Labradors and your kids and um, hopefully uh, when I get over to WA we'll get to catch up and have a a swan lager or something perhaps.
1: Yeah, mate, I'll have a single fin, but I'll buy you a swan. How's that
0: sound? Sounds good. Appreciate it.